so welcome to this week's episode of our Franchise Accelerator podcast. The goal of this podcast is to get you thinking big, right? Your business is your most valuable asset, but how do we turn your asset into an investment? So whether franchising is five years away, 10 years away, our belief is you need to build the processes now so you are ready to scale. And part of that scaling is really looking at the five elements of franchising. Because even though, again, franchising might be five years away, we need these core elements for our business to be ready to go and really moving into a path of growth. So the first one that we have is brand awareness. So what do we mean by brand awareness? What we mean by that is really looking at how much does your customer know about your brand? So if we're thinking about you know, the burger place on the corner, when your customer comes in, are they coming in because it's local? Are they coming in because it's convenient? Or is there something about the products you're serving that gets them to come back? Is there something unique that you're doing? And so we're joined today with Chris because he comes from a great world of franchises. So what have you seen about brand awareness? Uh, well, a lot of it, you know, it's through social media today, right? That's, that's the big one. Uh, catchy phrases, uh, colorful ads. It's anything that's, uh, you know, eye-catchy, uh, you know, things that you hear and you kind of repeat to yourself. Uh, you know, that's the way they're going with it. And, you know, a lot of these are rewards, right? That's another way to make yourself brand awareness. So it's just, you know, anything you could do social media-wise, it's email blast. It's, uh, you know, uh, the reels now. The reels are everywhere. Every franchise has got a reel out. So yeah. uh, you can get yourself on social media constantly. If you can look all day, you'll be on there. If you have someone working on it. Yes. And I think the other element of brand awareness that we sometimes forget is you don't have to be all things to all people. Right. right? I think a place to start if you've never really thought about your brand is what does your customer think about your brand? Who is? What are the common elements that your customer has? Is it a certain demographic? Is it a certain age range? Is it a certain, you know, it's a convenience that they're all coming from work or they're all going to the baseball game? You know, really thinking about that because ultimately we want to go more into that bucket or whatever we find rather than trying to say, well, I want to be for the business crowd and the baseball crowd, right? right. Probably can't be both. So I really want to do the best I can with that, that core element of people. And I think the brand that you came from most recently, you know, did a good job of that, right? Like sure. on the go. Yeah, they definitely targeted a you know, specific group of, of uh, you know, the age there. And it worked. Yeah. You know, uh, but before they went younger, it wasn't older. That, that's what they advertised to. Yeah. It was definitely for the older crowd, right? Yeah. Coffee, donuts. Then, you know, sandwiches, refreshers, and, you know, cappuccinos and lattes, ice drinks. All of a sudden, that switched quickly. Yeah. But that's good marketing. Right. That's somebody that knew what they were doing, they spoke about it, they thought about it, and they made it happen. And, yeah. and you know, that you do the same thing in your business. You just have to, you know, tune into what it is you do best. Exactly. And not be afraid to just hone in on that one thing that brings them back. And, you know, we can find other things later, right. but I think this is a great place to start. The second one we have, which I think is so important, is the idea of repeatable concept. So many times, you know, when I'm talking to our clients, some of our clients, you know, you hear about the fact that it's, you know, oh, I have to be there on a Friday night. I have to be there on a Saturday night. My customers are going to be mad if I'm not there. You know, they just hate not to see me. And I think if we're thinking about growth, like again, it may not be franchising next week, but any sort of growth, 
we really want to remove it being all about you and more about the product they're serving. And I like to use the example of Wendy's, right? You go to Wendy's, you don't expect to see Dave, right? right. Like you're okay that Dave's right. not there. Right. And if we're going to get there, right, if your goal is more of a passive involvement in your company long-term, we have to find a way to make sure there is no difference between whether you are there or not. And I think that comes down to that repeatable concept idea, which the franchises do so well. What are some of the things that, that you've seen they do that make it more repeatable than say the independent? Well, it's training, it's consistency of the product, and it's you know a lot of teamwork. It can't just be, you know, Wara's coffee shop. Right. Right? It has to be that it's everybody there working hard, you know, you know everyone, everyone's pulling their weight. But uh, you know, really consistency and training is really what's gonna build that out that you don't have to be at the forefront all, all the time being the face of the business. Right. It could it could be almost anyone in your restaurant. Yeah. yeah. And I would say an example of that, I was traveling recently with my son, um, and it was like late at night, we were kind of on this highway, there was, you know, a subway, and we walked in and you know, it must have been like ten minutes where they closed. And the subs they made us were like beautiful, right? You could have taken a picture of how right. perfect they were and just think like that's a readable that's concept, right? Like that's, that's pretty repeatable. impressive. Right. Because right. you could have you could have cut some corners with us, we probably wouldn't have said anything. Right. You were the only But it's not town. their way. Right. It's not their way. Right. And you think about that compared to an independent, and I think sometimes that's where we fall short, is we don't prove to our customers that they're gonna get the same thing same service, the same product every time they come in the door. Right, and it, it comes back to training and, and your management skills, yeah. right? That other shop you went to, I mean, they did exactly what I said, right? They were consistent product, and, and they were trained to do it correctly. It's it don't you don't really need much more than that. If yeah. you can train people to do it correctly and serve a consistent product that's good, it, you'll, you'll get there. Yeah. And our goal of this whole you know, movement, this whole podcast, is really to say it doesn't have to be done overnight, right? right? Like if you find that it's not repeatable, right? The burger you got on Tuesday doesn't taste like the burger you got on Saturday. That's okay, right? right? That starts with awareness. And I sure. think, you know, the chains are kind of a good way to, to kind of be curious about, you know, what do they do at some of these chains that I'm not doing and how can I do little tweaks, you know, to get me there. Well, I think the most important thing people have to remember, we assume right away that everybody that's working for us knows what we know, yeah. right? And then at some point you realize, usually when it's too late, it was, uh, no, they didn't. They don't know. Right. So I learned a long time ago, always go back in my mind, restaurant 101 with this person. Like, I'm going to find out what they know. Yeah. I'm not going to assume they know that they have to put salt and pepper on the burger. I'm going to ask them if they, if, if they know they have to. Or you know any, anything to that way, but I think that's what's important is that we know we need to find out what their level skill level is, and that's going to help us grow. Yeah, and I really think that that's something that's really become a challenge yeah. in the last three years with all the turnover, right? If you look at yeah. your your pool of labor in nineteen, you probably had people that had been there eight years, ten years, yeah. who could kind of pass on this knowledge, and now chances are that person is gone, which I think brings you to the idea, like you said, of training right and I was having a conversation with one of our clients earlier today and you know we talked about checklists right as much as you hate to keep dwelling on the importance of checklists there is an incredible gap in the labor pool right now in hospitality right you have people who just don't know they try to know I mean she had this example of like you know they double ordered you know 
this uh, filet product. I mean, you know, crazy dollars, right? Because right. they truly didn't know the size of what they were ordering. Right. It wasn't like they were trying to do a bad job, but, you know, I think sometimes having those checklists in place can just make sure mistakes don't happen. Right, and we're all, you know, advocates of the checklist. We love it. We, we know it's going to make you better. And, you know, it goes back to sometimes they don't have to know. But if we have this checklist, it's it's going to walk them through whatever we're doing, right. or whatever we're asking them to do. It can walk them through it. Though, so you know, that's one of the most important things that you have in your restaurant or checklist, and you know, it's up to you to make sure that they're done. Yeah, and especially if you you have these big dreams, which is great to have, right? I love talking to someone who says, you know what, I want one of these on every corner. Like that to me yeah. is really exciting. But unfortunately, we're not going to get there without some of these basic things put into our existing locations, not waiting until we have 10 to right. start then having a process because it really will be too late. If you can't run one location, <laughs> <laughs> you have no shot of running multiple locations. Right. So, you know, they, you need to perfect that checklist in that one location before you even think about moving on. Yes. All right, so the next one is proven prototype. And really what we mean here is, especially for multi-units, right, chances are not all stores the same, right? especially in the independent world. It's very rare that you would have even two stores that are similar. Usually there's a different location, there's different town, there's different size, right? Not every store is the same square foot. But what we want to do is find the one that best represents what you're trying to do, right? And it's not saying the other ones are bad, but it's like children, we don't have a favorite. But really finding the one that if we were to say, I want to scale to 10, this is the one that I'm going to use as the example. And I think when we go deeper here, what we're really looking at is some of those intangibles, right? Because sometimes beyond the square footage in the town, there's a manager who fits better, right? right? There could be a staff that fits better. Um, the hours could be better. There could be some of these intangible things that we're not realizing are really pushing our brand forward and things that we could start to instill in the other ones. Right. What well, have you seen, I know Chris has managed many stores, what have you seen as some of the differences between the underperforming and the, and the great stores? It's not a secret. <laughs> it's management. Yeah. I mean, that's where it starts, management. Uh, you know, as a district manager, director of operations, a COO, it all trickles down, right? Uh, if you have a great manager in the location, I don't care who your DM is or who your director is. That DM, that GM is running the show, right? And it's, it's the same thing. That GM can be terrible. It doesn't matter how good the DM is or the director is because it all starts there. They're there every day, Yeah. right? And, and the, the team is taking on their personality. Yeah. So if they have a poor personality, not a go-getter, uh, the, he's got low morale, doesn't like the job, or maybe not qualified for the job, then that goes through the whole team. Yeah. And sometimes that's all the difference you need. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, a lot of my work with our clients is on more of the forecasting side, kind of building out our entity schedules, our consolidated approaches. And to me, this is always the message that I try to get to them, across to them, is that you're comparing against the what if. So if you have a store that's underperforming sales-wise, the sales just aren't as good, I mean, you don't really know if there is a bad manager or there's things getting run or, you know, we've even seen cases where there's, you know, things not getting rung in. Mm -hmm. So sometimes that underperforming store isn't as underperforming as, as we think, think right. if we made some of these changes. Right. Yeah. yeah. It happens a lot. It's, it's awareness. 
yeah. knowing what's going on, being involved, you know, taking a look at what's happening, asking questions. You, you can't just let it go and just say, ah, oh, it's a bad store, it's a bad neighborhood. Yeah, it's not working. Exactly. You know, it's not. No, it's not your fault. Yeah. Right. It's not the GM's fault. It's not. It's just bad neighborhood. Yeah. You know, yeah. nobody wants to eat over there. I don't yeah. know. No, it's more of a. You know, let's take a look at this. Take a deep dive into it, and I guarantee you, we could find a way to make this work. Yeah, and that's what the other thing is that I've seen with the difference between the franchise level or your corporate versus your independent is that level of expectation, right? right. And I think this is something we've really tried to drive home to a lot of our multi units is like. If you have one that's five hundred thousand dollars less than the other, mm -hmm. if you were in a corporate locate or a franchise, it's kind of unacceptable, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. You can't be there. You know, you have to have your eye on the ball all the time. Yeah. And when things like that start happening, they get noticed right away. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get a you know a month or two to play like that. Yeah. They're coming after you quick. Yeah, and that's what I think we need to do. You know, as we start to really think of ourselves as driving towards this idea of franchising or scaling our business is really looking at all of our locations, looking at all of our revenue streams, and setting a higher level of expectation. Because yeah. I don't care what economy you're in, there's always market share to be had. And if you right. look at the population of your town, this is I love as an example people who tell me that their sales are what they are, can't be better. Okay, yeah. look at the population of your town and then look at the guests that came in last week. I guarantee it's like this. It's, it's way <laughs> off. And you saw maybe 5% of your town. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe 5% of your town. Right. So even if you got to 6% of your town, right. how many more guests is that in seats, right? So yeah. it's not huge. And people are always going to want to go out to eat. People are always going to want to buy food products. So it really is the case where there is business to be had if you want it. Absolutely. The only way you're not getting them is if you don't deserve them. Yeah, I agree. It's plain and simple. Yeah. All right, so our next one is weekly accountability. We at the Larry Group love to talk about this yeah. a lot. Um, but really the idea of weekly accountability is more than just an accounting term, right? I think the idea is if you really look at the franchises, the restaurant groups, um, larger corporate companies, everybody is in a weekly model because it gives you that quick response, right? I can look at last week and I can instantly make a change. And the idea of waiting until the end of a period or the end of a month, especially, it's just too long to wait. And, you know, the other side of weekly accountability is it's something your team understands, right? In the restaurant business, if you go to any manager, they're going to know their weekly sales. If you're getting a weekly report. Right. So I've worked on both ends of it. I worked where we got a weekly report. And I worked where we got a monthly report, and I worked somewhere else where maybe you got a report. <laughs> so the maybe you got a report didn't do so well. <laughs> the, the monthly was really hard yeah. to, to make changes and be successful. Yeah. When it was the same company, when I asked you know the franchisee, hey, we have to go to weekly. Don't you want to be better? We worth the money. Blah blah blah. We did. Yeah. What a change. Yeah. What a, and people got engaged. Yeah. They knew the numbers. They were excited. They knew how bonus structures work now. Now they had their eyes on everything. Yeah. I mean, it changed, it changed it so much. It actually made it so much easier because, it's, you know, we have the 52 opportunities instead of 12. Right. And we fix a little bit every week. Where if you wait to the end of that month, you're not fixing any of that because now you're into the next month. It's the hustle and the bustle. Yeah. Whatever was wrong, is still going to be wrong. Plus now what's ever wrong this month. Yeah. So that really doesn't work. That... Keeping yourself accountable the one week really works. I, I don't see any other way to do it. I agree. And I think the other thing that we really try to instill, especially with our larger 
you know, restaurant group clients, franchise clients, is the idea that this accountability is a blend of the accounting side, right? How did your each location perform? What was the bottom line? What's the percentage that they're bringing in? But also, how do they do on those checklists, on the oversight? Because we have seen time and time again a correlation between the team that's doing 90% of their checklist, they actually have a good PL, they got a good food cost, they're doing okay. The team that's doing 40% of the checklist labors off by 10%, you know, food cost, didn't yeah. do an inventory, right? Like, Mr. Seals by a bunch. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's a reason. And I think holding both in the same bucket and looking at both together, you can see some. They're both equal value. Yeah. You know, you, you can't, like, say, I value this one more than the other. They're equal value. They're going to help you run your restaurant correctly and be aware of what's going on, which brings back to the whole accountability part of doing the work, yeah. being accountable to do the work. And this is also, I think, what I love to ask, like you guys coming from the corporate world compared to the independent is, you know, what would happen to a manager who said that they weren't going to do the checklist? <laughs> what happened? We're going to have a job. Right. Exactly. <laughs> the the mean, job ends there. Right. <laughs> Give me your keys and I'll see you later. There is no negotiation. <laughs> we have things that, are, that we call are non-negotiables. <laughs> and that would be non-negotiable. Right. And I think we, ha- like our employees, as much as they may fight, they like structure. Right? Like nine times out of ten, they're going to get it done. That's how I train my managers. Listen, they like structure. Yeah. People want structure. I don't want to work somewhere where there's no structure and it's chaos. Right. And people do what they want. They come to work when they want. They do the job they want. Oh, you're supposed to be over here at the barista station. Well, I don't want to do that. Today. I'm going to hand out donuts. <laughs> no, wait, you're over. Right? I like structure, and I train my managers to train to hire people and only keep people that like structure as well. Yeah. If you have someone on your staff that doesn't like structure, they're not going to be a good employee. Yeah. Why keep them? And they're going to affect the other ones. Yes. So a structure is great. Yeah. It makes a winning team. Yeah, don't be afraid to enforce the, That's right. the checklist. You'll keep all your good employees <laughs> if you have structure. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. All right, finally is ROI, our return on investment. And again, I think this is challenging you to look at what each element of your business, right, multiple locations, brings to the bottom line. Because as owners, right, we really need to stop looking at this as, you know, oh, I hope it works out, and really have that expectation that it will work out. And part of that starts with what is our return on investment? And we like to see on our weekly model, 10% on the bottom line, right? It really has to show 10% of that bottom line at a minimum for the cash flow to work. Otherwise, you're gonna be sweating payroll and all these other things. And that 10% includes all the money you're paying yourself and all those other things. Like, again, non-negotiable on the accounting side is 10% because I've seen it happen where it doesn't work out and it's always because we weren't driving 10%. Yeah. And I think that goes back to our repeatable concept and our prototype. It doesn't mean we have to raise sales, right? Or raise prices, right? Right. We need to find a way to be creative, to make it work. I had a call earlier this week with one of our clients. You know, they, they have a very heavy protein menu, right? They're in an area where they really can't raise prices. Their sales are great, but their margins are terrible. They're thinking about doing an event space, right? Very creative way to all of a sudden have something that has much better margin, doesn't affect their current client and is, or their current customer, is going to really make sure that they're able to get to 10% to the right. bottom line. And that's what we want to do, right? It isn't always just, 
okay, I'm going to sell more burgers and I'm going to charge right. more for the burger. Yeah. We really need to look at some of those other things. Yeah, well, there are other options. And, you know, you, you, have, you have to, you know, get out there and explore that. Because you can't always just raise the price. That can't be the answer, right? You're going to price yourself out. Right. So, yeah, getting out there, exploring some other options, and then just looking inside your business as well, trying to clean up what's in your business. Maybe, you know, you could drop that food cost a little bit. Yeah. Maybe you could drop that labor a little bit. Maybe you're running too much overtime on labor. Maybe hire a full-time person and do it with overtime. There's just other ways to do it and just to be creative and try to find a way to sink more money to that bottom line. Yes. And not to, uh, you know, promote Chris too much, but we also have our F Your Business podcast, which really digs deep on the, you know, food cost side, being creative with our menu and driving our bottom line. But ultimately, you know, it's great to have dreams, right? It's great to have the big dream. And I, we've seen it happen, right? We've seen the client go from one to five to 10. I mean, it's exciting to be a part of that, but it all starts with your business generating profits. If it doesn't generate profits, it's never gonna generate more profits if you get bigger. So it's not being selfish, but we have to have profits on our bottom line and we have to really know it, right? As a business owner, you need to know that margin that you're bringing to that bottom line, whether it's good or bad, right? If it's negative, it is what it is. But if you don't know, you're never gonna make the changes. You can fix it. How how many people do we know that have one unit, great margins, make them money, they open that second unit, complete disaster. Yeah. Because, they never trained anyone to oversee that first unit. Yeah. And they just went to that second unit and tried to run both but wasn't really able to. They didn't put the proper steps in line, which is being the accountability part up top. Yeah. Right. And then the financial part is it didn't work because no one came in your restaurant because it wasn't ran correctly. Right. So I think they all go together. They they all work it out together. You know, it's it's all about keeping an eye on the ball. Yes, exactly. All right, well, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to seeing you on next week's episode.